Good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Free k 12 Education Talk Radio, and it is September 11th today, the day we're doing the show. I don't know when you're listening. We know a lot of people listen on the archives, but we are doing the show here on September 11th, and I just want to mention that. Let's not forget the terrible events of that day and all the people that it affected, okay? And we'll just leave it at that, but it's uh, it's something that, that, that I just wanted to make sure that we mentioned today and remember, and uh, I'm sure... You're doing that, but I just wanted to say it. Okay, so it's it's really important. We do have a great show for you today here on Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Returning guest, Diane Dorsch from uh, uh, Digital Promise, who's the Senior Director of Technology, of Information Technology at Digital Promise. Okay, former Chief Technology Officer uh, at a big Wisconsin school district. We also have uh, Keith Kruger, our good buddy, who is the CEO of COAST and the Consortium on School Networking, the big nonprofit organization that basically is the voice of the K-12 school system technology leaders, like Diane was for many, many years. So not that many years, Diane, I know that. Okay, and um, it's going to be a great show. We've got a great uh, number of uh, tools and tips for ed tech leaders, and it's back to school time now, so we wanted to go over it with them. We're going to archive this show, as you probably know, but I love to say it just in case there's new listeners over at ace-ed.org. We are the voice of the American Consortium for Equity in Education, and if you go over to ace-ed.org, you'll see all the wonderful things we do, and everything there is free for educators, for anybody, actually, over at ace-ed.org. Our magazine, Equity and Access, which is an excellent online journal. Okay, you're certainly invited to just click on through and uh, read some good stuff about what's going on with Equity and Access. Our Excellence in Equity Awards, please do some nominating. Okay, do it. All right, it's fun. You'll see everything again free over there, as well as all the podcasts and all the various news. You'll see the podcast link, so please check it all out. Over at ace-ed.org, again, we welcome you. We are there for you, and we want your uh, input, et cetera, et cetera. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, it's Larry at ace-ed.org. Don't hesitate to do so. If you have some good ideas, even criticisms, I will answer. Okay, so please, Larry at ace-ed.org. And with that, I'll say good morning to Diane first. Hi, Diane. It's Larry here. Hey there, Larry. Good to be here. I'm in Washington, to have you back. today working in the um, Digital Promise office, so I appreciate what you said about the date, September 11th. Yeah, it's important that we remember it is 20, I think 20, it would be 22 years ago now. And uh, right. yeah, it's, it's, uh, what can I tell you, you know, and uh, boy, a lot, you know, what's interesting, I just thought of this, by the way, good morning, Keith. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. You know, you know, what's scary for we of the elder generation, there are people graduating college this year who are going to be teachers as an example Okay, who were not alive when that when this nine eleven happened, twenty two years. Yeah, think about it. Wow, scary stuff. I'm getting old. What can I tell you? Luckily, Keith and <laughs> Diane are. Is that correct? Right, always useful. Well, you put it in perspective like that, it's quite. Uh, kids were not born. Okay, who are graduating college <laughs> this year? Okay, yeah, they they weren't alive during nine eleven. Wow. And again, let's not forget any of that stuff that happened. I think it's emblazoned on our memories, for goodness sakes. Okay, certainly I can't unsee it all. Pretty tough. But at any rate, let's get to the good stuff here. Okay, back to school is here. And this is an important show we'd like to do because it's good tips about 
a things we know like cybersecurity and that sort of thing. All right, and innovation and disaster prep. We talk about this kind of thing all the time here with Cozen. But there's something new out there this year, okay? And it's called AI, <laughs> artificial intelligence, okay? And what we don't want to happen is what happened at the end of Terminator 3, the movie, okay, when the machines take over, <laughs> okay? We don't want that, all right? And, I, and I'll say what I keep saying all the time, you know, it's our job to make sure that kids understand the responsibility and the ethics and everything else. And we have to use AI as a tool and use it, not be scared of it because and I'll use the great analogy, like the cal- when, the, when the calculator came out, we were all scared to death. The kids weren't going to use it uh, properly. And here we are. Can you imagine doing it without a calculator? And um, we have to embrace it and all that. So I'm going to ask, I'll start with Keith. Keith, okay, you're the pres- CEO as president of the of Co- well, CEO of COSIN. Okay. What do you see on the horizon with all this? Let's start with you, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Larry, and appreciate you letting us uh, come on the show and talk about uh, really how do uh, kind of ed tech leaders uh, survive in this uh, uh, crazy time. Uh, with back to school, it's always busy time. And um, w- during this show, we'll be talking a lot about different things, and, and I know you, we want to get to AI right away. Uh, but you can – Whatever. Um, there's a – there's a great blog that we put. It's kind of a the top ten resources from Cosin, and it has a lot of hyperlinks. So um, if you go to cosin.org and and you see a headline called News and Publications, and, and click on Blogs, you'll see this. It's called um, kind of the ten, the uh, ten key Cosin back to school resources. But um, yeah, let's dive in on on AI, and clearly that is. You know, since last November, uh, with ChatGPT, the, these gener- this concern around generative AI is a huge um, issue yeah. for educators and, and the world. Uh, you know, if you believe the uh, World Economic Forum, uh, AI is is uh, um, you know going to transform the next uh, everything we do. We've put together some resources at cosin.org slash AI. There's kind of a primer. Just AI is very large, and, and we're already using lots of AI in in our life and at school. But mm-hmm. what's new is the generative aspect, which uh, ChatGPT is, is one example of. And so um, we've kind of aggregated a lot of resources uh, on that. And we've created, uh, for COSIN members, there's an, actually an AI community uh, for discussion. People can, in a safe environment, kind of share what they're doing and things like that. But I really love, um, we've been doing some blogs and, uh, uh, you know, from different perspectives. And uh, it's very interesting. Um, you know, there's been like this debate of kind of what is academic integrity uh, with AI. So, and and Keith, I just realized that Keith, I just realized that the initials of academic integrity are AI. Yes, well, that's right. <laughs> just realized that. Well, and the question is, you know, what does academic integrity mean when with with AI? And uh, we think there there is, but uh, I love the the the, uh, de- the 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 blog that uh, Chris Hagel did, which he calls it "Post Plagiarism and the Development of District AI Actions," and he kind of walks through how he developed this policy using AI it, it, and. 
it was kind of co-created, I guess, is what, what you would say. Uh, he you know, believes in transparency. You need to say when you use a tool like generative AI. But um, it, 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 it's a great starting point. It's certainly not the end point at this point <laughs> for, yeah. Yeah. for coming up with policy, but a great place to start. Right. It, it really is. And now you can somehow figure out AI is both academic integrity and artificial intelligence. Okay. It's AI. It all comes together there. That's really thing. You know, uh, it, it, you're the, uh, Diane, you're the um, uh, senior director of information technology at Digital Promise. And when we talk about digital promise, what is the promise from your point of view of AI? Where do you see this going from, from, from your organization's point of view? Right. Well, we we have a lot of resources here. Uh, Jeremy Rochelle and his team have been at the forefront of, you know, research in AI and just checking him out on LinkedIn and seeing, you know, some of his conversation points, I think are really, really uh, good resources for those of you out there who are wondering, hey, what's the research world saying about this? Um, you know, I really like being the chair of COSAN. I like the fact that we have a community around AI. You heard uh, Keith talk about how we've got our COSAN network, which is like a closed, almost like a social network would work, uh, where our practitioners, our directors of technologies and CTOs can go mm -hmm. in and have those protected conversations around the topic. And so, things like Chris's blog about the different perspectives of AI, I think are really great uh, talking and practice points. And so that's one thing we do really well here at, at um, COSIN and at Digital Promise is make sure that we've got conversations with the boots on the ground people, you know, to let us know just what's going on out there, what we should be concerned about, et cetera. Yeah, and Diane, let me ask, what are, what are you hearing out there, literally from the boots on the ground, all, all the folks? You know, we're all, everybody's talking like we are right now, kind of uh, up a, a little bit above the trenches, so to speak. We're talking about the long-range impact, how we do it. But what are, you what are you hearing, if anything, about are they frightened of it out there? Are they trying to grasp it out there? Is anybody doing really cool things with it? And Diane, I'll just ask you, and Keith, if you have something to add, please do and Diane answers. Diane, start that if there's anything to say. Sure. What are you hearing? Well, um, you know, initially the fear factor was there, right? We saw that last spring. And then we saw blocking of things and then the loosening up of. Uh, I did a podcast with uh, Richard Collada who talked about. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, we, we cannot, a um, we cannot, as educators, say, I'm going to sit this one out. We need <laughs> to be in there. We need to be working with things because when our teachers and when our Board of Education and when our administrators come back to school, like they have mm -hmm. done, they're yes. going to say to our ed tech leaders, what policies do we have in place? Or, you know, should our teachers be working on this? Shouldn't they be working on this? And so... Our leaders have had to um, come up with a lot of answers and guardrails for them. And I think that's mm -hmm. good, right? Um, I believe it is good. There's a lot too. of understanding that needs to take place. 
around it yet. And so providing opportunities for people to learn and use tools like ChatGPT and to understand what a good prompt is, uh, understand what a poor prompt is, understand what you should not be entering into Mm -hmm. a public um, generative Mm -hmm. um, AI tool is something. Uh, We've talked about school districts who have walled gardens, meaning that, you know, they can do that kind of work, but that information just stays within their district. And so helping our people understand these different types of operational ways of using AI is important. I I would agree, and thank you, Keith. Anything to add on this? What are you hearing from literally the trenches? You know, I think, yeah, I think we're at a very, obviously, a very early stage, and so there's a bit of a whipsaw um, (laughs) conversation. I just, yesterday in the Sunday New York Times, Natasha Singer, who's been following kind of uh, uh, privacy concerns and and companies, how they work in technology companies, how they work in schools, uh, did, has started a new series that she's going to be looking at AI in schools. And I thought her comments, you know, were were very interesting. She obviously comes has been highly critical of the the tech sector in schools, but mm-hmm. for AI, she had some good examples of things that were being used in in good ways. And I'm sure that there are some horrifying mm-hmm. ways that that AI may be used. And so, um, you know, it, it's in the the interest of every educator and certainly every ed tech leader to um, be thinking about this and um, and working in a conversation about where do we want to use uh, AI? What you know? What guardrails do we put around it so that yeah. bad things don't happen? And I I think one right. of the first places yeah. to start is yeah. look read the White House AI uh, use. Uh, kind of a, a framework that they've put up, which, um, you know, we want to, there, these are, there are not a lot of answers, but there are questions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know COSIN is going to be coming out later this month with an AI readiness guide of, of oh. kind of questions you should ask in a whole lot of areas of, of you know, before, but it's better to ask those before you implement than after. Can we do our next show about that? I would love to and get, yeah. I can get a copy yeah, of that. Sure. I, would, I, would, I would love to Maybe do that. Maybe in, in October we would love absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah, because this, this is what's on everybody's mind these days. I mean, it's amazing. And you yeah. said something that was very interesting. You said with the White House report, it's not the answers. It's, it's the questions. And that's what I've been saying about right. AI all the time, okay, that we have to teach the children, the students, that it's not the – it's not the answers that matter. It's the questions that matter. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, that's what we have to teach them. And I'm, and I'm just curious, a little off the subject, I don't have no idea if either of you know this, but how are the education colleges, okay, where they train teachers reacting to all this? Are they changing? Are they really seriously looking? And also for CTOs, you know, people go for their masters in ed tech. Okay. Mm-hmm. How, how are they reacting to all this, they have to change what they're doing. It's a, if I may, pardon me, Aldous, it's a brave new world out there. Okay, what do you hear on a, that? Uh, a great yeah. concern, and, and certainly, uh, we definitely hear uh, not just around AI, but just in general in the use of technology that too many teachers, you know, arrive uh, able to do their personal life, but not how to <laughs> teach and learn 
in a powerful way using technology. And, and this is all very new, so I would hope that the schools of education, uh, you know, are, are looking at how we uh, effectively use and, and what are the things that we need to uh, protect ourselves from. Yeah, we, we just have to do it. We really have to think about that. And this is going to be an incredibly important change. And we'll talk about more, more of this in the October show. Okay, because I really want to get into this with you guys, because it it, affa- it affects everybody. I want to move on to the age-old topic now. It's almost it's almost twenty <laughs> years old. Cybersecurity. Okay, yeah. that's always been topic Definitely. number one. It seems like AI is now topic number one these days. But and cybersecurity <laughs> with that, I might add. But what's going on with social uh, social security? I'm showing my age here. Cybersecurity. <laughs> security. It, it According to our last survey, which was you know done in January, so who knows this year? Probably AI will, <laughs> will eclipse it. But uh, yeah. cybersecurity is a big concern, and uh, in fact, the White House just convened uh, a number of educators to talk about how the federal government is going to try to be a, a better partner and encourage vendors to be more responsible around cybersecurity, which uh, Diane and I had the pleasure of being able to attend. Um, and, you know, COSIN has a lot of stuff for our uh, technology leaders around, uh, you know, th- thinking about planning and prevention and implementation and response. Um, a couple of things that I think are particularly useful, cybersecurity staffing is just a huge problem. Um, it's hard to afford, it's hard to recruit, it's hard to retain. And so we've uh, created a kind of a resource on how to think about that. Most school districts tell us that they're dividing up those responsibilities among a, a variety of personnel. So we've created some parts of job descriptions that you might put in different people's responsibilities because if it's not clearly defined, it doesn't happen. But also some creative things like how you use students. Uh, we see some school districts oh. using getting students uh, certified uh, or or working with your local, um, you know, vocational or, or, or community college. Um, we got to be a lot more creative because we we can have all the tools we want. If you don't have the people to run them, it doesn't work. Um, and we, we also have a, a tabletop cybersecurity leadership game. It's free, but it's really for the whole, you know, the superintendent, the head of finance, the, the all the cabinet kind of can do this as a professional development tool. You know, and it's, okay, it's 9 o'clock and you just got to notice that you're your network has been hacked and down and you know it's 9:15 and the media is calling what are you going to say and 9:30 you're going into a cabinet meeting what are you going to tell the cabinet what are you going to tell the staff so it's a very um timed out uh, immersive experience so Diane it's 9:15 what are you going to tell the staff <laughs> oh i know and you know in Wisconsin and nationally, we have heard of incidents, right? Uh, and oh, yeah. so those types of things truly do happen. Uh, and making, as Keith talked about when we visited the White House uh, and during the cybersecurity release of all the resources, we really heard you have to have muscle memory on this stuff, right? You need to mm-hmm. practice things. You need to have a process in place. And don't be putting it together in the middle of your incident. <laughs> Make sure that you have your incident response plan um, done 
and practice and all those types of things. So when it really does happen, you can very, very calmly and sequentially follow it uh, so that you're doing the best for all your end users. It's so important, and I have to I have to ask you both. You both brought this up. The White House produced this report. You were both involved in it, okay? And you're, I think you're going to go back and do some more. And uh, I'm going to stay with Diane. Diane, what actually happens? We always drop that term, oh, a White House report. What actually happens when you're working with the White House? I mean, you go to the White House and sit in the big room? You talk with 30 other people? <laughs> you what know, happens? um and Keith has done this before. By the way, by the way Diane, are you on a speakerphone? I don't know. Um, yes, I am. Should I okay, not Can be? you go off the speaker and just talk right into your sure. phone? You're just a little lower than it should be. Okay. I'm Better. here now on my Thank, phone. Thank you. Okay. I just wanted you everybody bet. to be able to hear you. Go ahead. Sure. Um, yeah, Keith, I think, has done this before, but I have never done this, uh, where we got an invitation to the White House. Uh, and the event was held in the East Room. Uh, we attended as avid supporters of cybersecurity in K-12 schools. I know Keith can tell you more about our contributions, I think, to, to the whole event, but it was wonderful to hear from our secretaries, Mayorkas from Homeland Security, mm-hmm. um, as well as our Cordona uh, Department of Education and Dr. Jill Biden. And so wow. we uh, then wow. we then um, heard from uh, L.A. Superintendent of Schools, uh, Roberto Carvalho, and right. he talked about uh, the large incident that happened there and how he was able to pull in resources from our government to help. Uh, and it was described as a text, textbook case on how to solve an incident. And so... You know, it was really good to hear about how that was handled and the resources that he took advantage of, you know, that are there for, for school districts to help get through this. We also heard from school um, or from different states who have programs in place, like there's a state who starts and has committed to providing K-12 cybersecurity training to all students starting in kindergarten. And that's quite a commitment, right, in helping students sure be uh, mindful of cybersecurity and potentially go into jobs that involve cybersecurity. Um, well, we also heard from, yep. No, go ahead, please continue. And then we also heard from solution providers who, you know, are really saying, you know, we are making a commitment to make our products cyber safe, uh, and a lot of companies have donated funds or put together programs that they're going to provide to school districts free of charge. So, Keith, there might be some other things I missed out, but on um, but that was well, that was great. That I yeah, that's a great summary. But all I would say is it's the first time ever that a White House has uh, talked about uh, cybersecurity in K K twelve, and wow. so um, you know they have the what is it called, the bully pulpit? Yeah, <laughs> so they do. That tells you that as part of their back-to-school, 
they felt that cybersecurity was so important that the White House needed to um, speak about it. And uh, new resources were made available from the Department of Education and Infrastructure Guide, along with uh, resources from CISA, which is the Cybersecurity Agency as part of Homeland Security. So, you know, wow. and we heard from a variety of other agencies like the FBI and, and others about how they can help school districts. But it is a huge problem. We are the number one targeted uh, sector for ransomware attacks. You're, um, I, I thought it would so be healthcare. I thought it would be healthcare, but it's school districts. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. Well, we have a lot of, you know, the, with phishing attacks, which is when you click on that URL from, you know, it looks like it's yeah, a legitimate it thing, but it's not. Yeah. Uh, and you've got, you know, lots of people using our network, including a lot of students, a lot of teachers, and there's a lot of data that school districts have that is uh, valuable. So uh, it's, 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 it's really an amazing, it's an amazing challenge. And I, I wonder. This is going to be the next question. Uh, as good as I think, as good as AI is going to be, what's going to happen with that? Okay, and cybersecurity. It's really everything gets more complicated. Nothing gets easier. Okay, I can tell you that much. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a lot of layers to this onion. It's one giant onion. I got to tell you. And on that note, you know, you're talking about ransomware. <laughs> And, and phishing and all that. And then we have the next thing that I know is important for you two to talk about is disaster preparation. And I think we're talking about a real disaster. Okay. God forbid yes. a fire or a shooter, you know, an earthquake or flooding. Well, we can go just look at the summer. Hurricanes. Yeah. Her, thank you. I knew I forgot one. They're coming too. Okay. Uh, whatever. It's it's crazy out there. Try to think. All I can say is I feel bad for everybody in Greece. Uh, it, the, the incredible flooding puts out the wildfire, wildfires that are driving them crazy. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, oh, it's just terrible. Okay. We're not there. We're here. But these things are bad. All right. Disaster prep. And we're not talking about just getting a ransomware attack. We're talking about a real disaster here. And uh, Keith, I'll throw it to you. But if you want to throw it to Diane first, be my guest. Yeah. Well, it's a huge problem uh, because uh, yeah. and it, wow. it's a huge problem for the obviously when a hurricane or flood or fire hits, but um, it's particularly a challenge around technology because that's the way we communicate, that's the way we pay salaries, that's the way we do learning. So um, building mm. what we would call a learning wow. continuity plan is critical. And um, Again, up on our site is some tips and, and free for anyone, whether you're a member of COSIN or not. And then we have deeper resources about building a disaster recovery uh, kit and strategies for, for building information security governance. Those are for members. So um, there's lots of stuff up on our resource, but it's really timely because, of course, there's so much uh, between the fires of the last few months and the hurricane season. Uh, if this is something that it's it's hard to be anywhere in the in yeah. North America and not and not, and not be expecting to be hit by something like this. So um, yeah. yeah, it's well, really a challenge. It, it's crazy, and I, I I have to ask you know have you have you guys heard at all from uh, the poor folks in Lahaina and, and the Maui school district? What are they doing? They lost everything over there. You know? We haven't heard from them. Of course, uh, Hawaii has one school district, and it's yes. for all of the islands, and it's really run by the State Department of Education. So we have not heard from them, but uh, our thoughts and, 
and prayers are certainly well, with them. And certainly, I think I think one of the things that we, whenever you read those things, what what our message is to other school districts is the time to think about your continuity plan isn't after the disaster; it's before. Yeah. So everyone right now, whether you're looking at the hurricanes in in Florida or or these terrible wildfires all around North America, I, I mean, now is the time to dust off <laughs> your continuity yeah. plan. Uh, and, and probably change it if you haven't changed it in the last five years because yeah. th- things have changed. And I'll, I'll ask this, Diane, I'll ask you this, okay? With the pandemic, the old line was we had to uh, we had to build a plane while we were flying, okay? The pandemic, mm-hmm. let's be honest, caught, caught 98% oh, yeah. of us all off, <laughs> off guard. Okay, well, we had the pandemic. We went through it, and everybody really did their best. Okay, let's just say everybody did their best. And in some cases, there was tremendous, even though people were trying, there was tremendous learning loss. Okay, Uh, and we go right down that list, but we don't have to. My question is, what have we learned technology wise? Okay, what have we learned from that? Okay, where are we today that we weren't in uh, four years ago? Have we we learned anything? Let me ask that one. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I mean, you know, there are the teaching and learning aspects of things, um, as well as as a director of technology, what kind of tools do I need to provide to our students so that they are prepared for uh, these, you know, for these, um, what can we say, interruptions in learning where potentially they have to learn from home. Um, A study that was done um, for the digital equity uh, dashboard, um, which was the connected schools, and Keith has has the um, the details on it. But they learned that you know it's really important to have devices that can handle video conferencing. Uh, some of the mm-hmm. technology that was out there uh, that got sent home really had a hard time, you know, providing oh. video. Uh, when we need to make make that quick turn to using video conferencing tools. It also uncovered, again, it's something we knew, that there are areas that do not have service and there are households who do not have access. And that could be because, you know, they simply can't afford it or it could be because there's not an infrastructure there to get them the internet. Right. Cell towers aren't around there, so hot spots won't work, and all those other things. And I do believe, you know, these are some of the things that have helped our ed tech leaders. You know, the pandemic uncovered a lot of things. And so it helped provide us to understand where the gaps reside so that we can work on those. Getting broadband uh, to more rural areas. Yeah is important and you know our our government is helping uh, with that Um, and also you know the knowledge about uh, the devices that we make purchases you know how long are they going to last are we going to be green about them or are we going to be able to use them for only four years or three years and then have to throw them away you know it's 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 these types of things that were brought up um, through our experience with the pandemic and are, are those, stay with me, Diane, are those the 
the things you just mentioned, are they the emerging trends that are out there? Is, is how to figure all? I'm talking, you know, I wanted to ask you about emerging trends. I know we have we talked about being prepared, if I may, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, disaster prep. But what's you know, AI is the big thing. It's the elephant in the room. But what are the emerging trends out there? Beyond all this, I mean, where are we ahead of the game on what's happening? And I'll ask Diane, I can swing it over to Keith, or you can, Diane. Right. Well, you know, what we're finding is, and I love the way our driving K-12 innovation process worked with this, and that Mm -hmm. um, we had a team of people Uh, We've got over 100 people from all over the world contribute to our Driving K-12 Innovation um, Series. And they first identify hurdles. What are the difficult things that are taking place in education? What are the hurdles there? And there's a lot of conversation about that. And then they talk about, you know, what what things could accelerate? Uh, What are the trends that can help accelerate and help us get farther now that we've identified the hurdles. And then what are the enablers? What are the tools that we can use Mm. to help us accelerate things? And so the hurdles, you know, ended up being the scaling innovation and inertia of education Mm. systems or digital equity and attracting and retaining educators and IT professionals. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yep. People, having people, right? And then accelerators are being able to personalize learning for our students, building capacity in our leaders, and, of course, social-emotional learning um, and being Mm. able to address the whole child, Mm. the whole adult, right, Um, as accelerators. And then what are the enablers? Um, You know, digital collaboration environments. I mean, we know that was something that we depended on during the pandemic, collaborative environments. Um, untethered broadband and connectivity. Again, we uncovered that, that we <laughs> need to make sure that our students and our teachers have access. Um, and then analytics and adaptive technologies. And again, these are some of the things where, as you have said, Larry, we are overlapping into AI for analytics. Yeah. Yeah. and even adaptive techno- technology. So, um, you know, those are some of the trends that are taking place, and I'm really excited to be part of the next um, the next uh, study. It's going on right now, and we are identifying the, the hurdles um, that we are going to see or that we have seen for 2023. That was a great summary. Thanks, Diane. Keith, anything to add on that one? And I do want to ask you, this was on my mind, how are we doing in training people to become school technology officers? Okay, are there? I, yeah. I would assume there are enough, but I'm not sure. <laughs> no, there are probably not enough. But uh, yeah. there's a well, challenge, uh, as as we as Diane just pointed out, with uh, retaining, recruiting, and retaining uh, certainly teachers, but also the tech leaders. And um, one of the things COSIN's been doing for um, you know a while, a, a decade, is having a national certification, our CETL. Yeah. So, and yes. we have we also have some programs for early career to help um, people who are just getting started 
Um, and uh, those are really important uh, that we yeah. figure out how to help people because we don't want them to fail for several years before they figure out what their job is. It's amazing. And I'll go back to something I brought up before, Keith, as we kind of start to wind down here. All right. Are any of the schools, the, the colleges, incorporating ed tech into general teacher training? So that a, a new teacher has – now, of course, they've just been through school, okay? But mm-hmm. th- that they have a feeling of what's going on behind the scenes, how they have to react ethically and, and, and uh, by the rules, et cetera, et cetera, to the technology in their future school district. Do you know of any, any colleges that are actually looking at this and getting the kids, the, kids, the students that are going to be future teachers, mm-hmm. getting them involved in the technology aspect of it all? Because that would help build more CTOs, I would think. Great question. It's a great question, and, and uh, uh, Diana, what, what is your perspective on, on that? I, I mean, I, I'm sure that there are programs that are doing a very good job. I, I know that when don't be so sure. I don't data, know. <laughs> yeah, when we lo- looked at the data of, of our leaders, they they typically already have a master's or, or beyond, like 75% of them do. So one of the reasons the CETL has been so important is that it's something you have to uh, get and update every three years so it is right i have i have a a colleague who retired he he was the director of technology in in a joint school district in in wisconsin and he is now teaching um at a college and he's teaching educational technology he's a former teacher anyway but i think it is a wonderful opportunity for him to bring his expertise to our young people who are going into education because sitting in those classes, I am sure, are potential directors of technology. I mean, I was a classroom teacher. I got my certification in K-12 education, um, but technology was always a, a special interest I had. And so, you know, it brought me quite far, and there are opportunities there. And so, you know, having our practitioners who have been in that CTO or director's seat go and instruct at colleges, I think, is a wonderful pathway to get that education, that institutional knowledge into our young um, teachers who are getting ready to go to the classroom. And, and it has to be undergrad as well as graduate. We have to get – this is Correct. the way of the world now. I mean, it, it, you know, it, what, what I learned in teacher education is long gone, okay? We, we, we had to unroll papyrus, okay, and write on wax tablets, <laughs> all right? Those days are gone, all right? And uh, really, the, the, they, they really have to step up. All of this really, really matters. You know – it's really, really important here, and I want everybody to know all this information is over at COSIN.org, and I want to ask you something, Keith. How many school districts belong to COSIN? I think we're at about 1,500, but, you know, there are plenty of districts that aren't, so we would love Thank you. Uh, more. And, and uh, all the things we've talked about, there's many things uh, on the public uh, 
part of our website for because of our mission yeah. to support everybody. But there's even more great resources behind the member wall. So thank you for asking about that, and and well, we'd it, love it's to. It's incredibly uh, important. It's incredibly important because there's 12,000 school districts. Okay. And yeah. there's no excuse yeah. in this day and age with education. We always say educational technology, but you don't even need that anymore. Education is technology. It's still people, but we right. use technology in everything. Okay, everything about a school district, everything from learning to, lunch, to set up a lunch menu. And we do it on everything. Yeah. All right. And the fact that so many school districts are not involved with the, the Association for Ed Tech Leaders Okay, I'm telling you, if you're listening, tell your school district, if they're not a member, COSIN is the place to go. It's COSIN.org, C-O-S-N. All right. Diane, thank you. Okay, I appreciate you being here so as happy always. happy to be here. Yeah, I love having you here. So it's great, and you'll be coming back again. Keith, we'll do one in October. <laughs> okay, take care. Okay, and I want, to, I want to do, you know, a bit more of this AI report. It's uh, welcome to the elephant in the room. Okay? Okay, great. Thank you. Thank both you. Both of you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye, Diane. Keith Kruger, Diane Dorsch. Okay, I'll just leave it at cosin.org. Diane is also a digital promise. She is a digital promise, digitalpromise.org. Okay, you can check all this out. All right, we're going to archive the show at another one for you, ace-ed.org. Everything's free over there. See what we do. Tell your friends what we do over here. You want to get to me? It's Larry at ace-ed.org. Thanks for listening.